Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the podcast, is for education only. Some of the subject matter could be triggering for those that are newly grieving or in a poor state of mental health. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. Without further ado, I want to introduce you to Brittany. Great to have you. Yes, thank you for having me here. I we only just met a week ago, but it definitely feels longer than that. And so I'm excited to be able to have this conversation with you. It, it truly it it felt really good when I met you. It was like, oh, I, I don't know, kindred spirit or souls travel together. However you want to say that, it was a <laughs> good feeling. So, oh yeah, this is going to be good. Yes, I agree. I agree. Perfect. That being said, we know that you're a busy mom, you're a wife, you're a business person. These are all great things and take a lot of one's time. But when we throw suicide into the mix, even as survivors, it puts a very different spin on everything you do and how you do it. I'm going to get you to jump in wherever you like. Let's just have a a good look at what life is like for Brittany and how does suicide fit in that equation? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. My my very first interaction with someone who was deemed clinically depressed and who had gone through suicide attempts is actually the person that I'm married to today. And so I've had quite a a crash course, I guess you could say, and what that looks like to be a person who is on the other side of attempting suicide and thankfully was unsuccessful. My, so my husband's name is Daryl and we met in college and we knew each other freshman year. We stayed in touch here and there, but we really weren't. It was at our, at the end of our senior year where we reconnected and we started dating and we, we had both found the same church. And so we were like, Hey, we we're in a different space of our life now. Let's actually give this a very different go at dating and, and trying to see what was there. I didn't know when I, like, it was welcome weekend back of in the fall. And so we had both spent these summers away from our college town. And then we both came back and ran into each other. And I didn't realize that he had just within like the last seven to 10 days, I don't know exactly, had his uh, last suicide attempt and then ended up in a psychiatric unit for a couple of days. And, um, he was able to get out before the three day, like there's a three day mandate when you go into a unit like that. And the entire story, 
he's a fantastic communicator. He's an amazing speaker now. He's just, he's gone through so much, but he shares his story a lot with people about how there, he had a supernatural encounter in the psychiatric unit and he was screaming at everyone. I don't want to be here. I don't want to live. His family rushed there to try to see him. It didn't make sense to them. He was very much the glue of his family. He was the athletic star. He was on his way to the NFL. He was in, he was the glue, I guess you could say. And so when they saw him like this, it was very jarring for them. They had no idea that he had gone to that place. And it really came from a place of, he didn't know what was next. If there was no professional football, if there was no, this girl that he had been dating, if there was no future with her, what even is left after that? And so he had a, a face-to-face encounter with, who am I if I'm not that? And and if that's not my life, then what's the point of having one? And so th- I'm just going to so, stop you for one second there. Uh, so he had come up against not going to be able to play football. Mm-hmm. Something changed and could not go to the NFL. That is a huge blow. And then to mm-hmm. have the person you think you're going to be with suddenly not. Okay. Th- those are definitely things that can impact how you feel about yourself and how you feel about being here. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and he tells his story so much more eloquently than me. And I can tell our, our story as well, but yeah. So he ended up, there was a woman who was working in a very different unit of the hospital. She was like, I'm technically not supposed to be in this area. Something, w- I just felt like I needed to come over here and tell you, you're like, you need to say yes to being alive still. You need to fight. And he, and then when his grandma finally arrived, she was like speeding over. It was like a two hour drive. She made it there. Same message. You need to say yes to staying here and being here. There's more for you. And thankfully he came to this place of surrender with God and just saying like, I'm going to trust and believe that there's more on the other side of everything that just crashed around me, that it's, there's going to be a better second half of my life than what I feel like it was going to be. So the rest of my life can be better than what I thought. And, and so those, those feelings of depression, those feelings of heaviness, they didn't go away. He just moved through the actual like suicidal moment. Yeah. Now, have those come up again? Absolutely. But they weren't as, as real to him as that moment. And so he's moved through that. But then with us reconnecting, just like a week or two later, I had no idea that it was all of that that he had just gone through. So we started hanging out and dating and doing movies. And then slowly he opened up to me about what he had just gone through. My understanding was that it was within his control to not feel as heavy or to work harder, fight harder, pray harder through the depression. And we got married. Gosh, it was within a year. It was within a year of that. And about a year later, after all of that, we had our first daughter and then got married short, very quickly after that. And in a, in the span of healing, the timeline was very rapid in terms of like how long it may take to heal and really find yourself 
after an event like that or multiple events like that. So he had a counselor and she was amazing and she was great. And I felt like she gave him some tools, but I just, I felt like I didn't know what to do. I genuinely felt like I took it personal. I felt like he wasn't doing enough to overcome it because I thought it was within his control. I had no idea that it wasn't. And so for the, we've been married eight and a half years now, and we can talk about all the in-betweens, but in those beginning years, I know that I made it worse because I genuinely did not have an understanding of how, what he was going through. It just, my understanding of it was so different than what it really was. And I just ended up putting more weight on top of him instead of trying to be that helper to really carry it with him. Part of that is the fact that none of us know or understand very much about suicide because it's never been talked about. Mm-hmm. So how could you have known? You, you, yeah, because, yeah. It was, so the way that I grew up, there were no counselors. There were no, like we had a counselor at our high school, but she was like a guidance counselor that helped you get into college. It wasn't like what it is today. And I'm sure that she maybe had those conversations behind closed doors, but it wasn't like, hey, come speak to me about your emotions and what you're going through. So even the idea of suicide was it just, it was so scary to even touch that topic because I felt so ill-equipped to understand it and to go there that my pattern would be like, just avoid the severity of it and just hope that maybe it would work itself out. And I know that's not everyone's pattern, but that, that was mine and it shows up in other areas of my life, but that was just such a poor, just, it was just terrible. It was not the way to approach that no but you can only do what you can do with what you know and and it's no reflection on you that it it is where we came from we came from no discussions no understanding no help definitely no counseling and being able to help someone else with tools we do not ourselves have is it's an impossible task as a matter of fact it it would have been impossible for daryl as well because there weren't tools for him either yeah and i don't know maybe you let me know how much i don't know on your podcast how much you talk about things of faith and religious space but we both he grew up in church and there was a lot of maybe there's some sin in your life or maybe there's some more praying that needs to happen or maybe there's other things that you can do and we are like we we are like it's god plus counseling it's not one or the other it's there it's therapy and and so his his journey has thankfully he Although gone, going through many counselors to try to find a few that he's really connected with. So we, at that time, we lived in Michigan. Sadly, when we moved, we could not bring her with us. Right. <laughs> so we had to right. find, a new, find a new counselor in our new state. Um, but what he tells people is like, you just have to continue 
to search and you have to believe that it's going to be worth it to find one. Even if those first meeting or two did not go well, there is a counselor out there for you. And I remember sometimes just really hoping that when he would go, I'm like, man, I don't feel like I have the right things to say, but I'm just like genuinely hopeful that he'll get something at his session that will help him until the next session. And then I would just get curious, okay, well, what did she say about this? Or did you guys talk about this at all? And then as his partner, I'm listening for anything that maybe she was able to use as a tool or any piece of information that could help him. And I would just try to like underline that or bring it back up to his remind, try to remind him of what she said. Cause even if I don't know what to say and she's the professional. So I would just try to underline some things that she was able to help him with. And so that, that was helpful. And then in the lane of things that actually were really helpful, I had to get outside of taking it personal. I took it so personal in the beginning. I felt so like, like very transparent. Like he would be like laying in the bed, did not want to deal with life whatsoever. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting next to him. What did I do? Did I say something? Did I, what's wrong? What did I say? And it was like, it was just, it was from a very like insecure place, but I can tell you being on this side of it, even if there was something that I did to contribute, that was not the most important thing in that moment. No, and I used, and I, I would grab onto that. I would be like, oh gosh, well, I didn't mean it that way or, and try to explain myself. And that was just not what he needed. And he needed just to a listening ear. So I got really, I've gotten better. I'm not perfect. I've gotten way better at, even if it is something I did, if he's having a moment like that, the most important thing is how he feels and allowing him to feel heard in that moment. Even if it hurts my ego to hear what I did wrong or said wrong, I just need to be a, like a receiver, right? I just need to listen because that's the most important thing in that moment. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to do in any moment is fully listen to another yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's ego. It's your yeah. pride hurts. It's, but what about my, my intentions? We get into it all the time. He's like, your intentions may have been this, but what actually happened is very different. And yeah. the pain is still real. That was our counselor was like, your feelings are real, but are they always right? Yeah. So validate the feelings every time and then when you feel like it's safe enough it may not even be in that same day or conversation right. but when there's space outside of that heavy darkness that cloud however you describe it then you can talk about hey but were they right is this what happened maybe we can reframe what really happened yeah but it's not in the moment of are your feelings real yes they are or, yes they're always very real yeah yeah yeah, and, and sometimes people don't really want you to fix anything. That's mm -hmm. why it's important to, to fully listen. As I thought it can be the hardest thing in the world to do is just mm -hmm. listen. Because we are we're preconditioned to put ourselves in the middle, to to either offer some kind of help or to put it on how we are feeling in that moment or 
it is you know, that we are now feeling because of what you've shared. And, and what you're mm -hmm. saying is absolutely right. None of that is appropriate. Yeah, and that's a, it's hard. It's hard to move through that, especially in a new marriage or a new relationship when you're still, because we both brought a lot of stuff, a lot of baggage into yeah. our relationship. And I think most people these days do. Yeah. And so you're, unless you're like fully healed and whole before you get in relationship, which is like nearly impossible, his pain is going to touch on whatever it is that you still need to heal from. And it almost, it was like a, it was like a magnifying glass that I didn't want to be under. I'm like, yeah. man, I felt horrible that I said something wrong or I snapped when I shouldn't have, or I, I had a short fuse when he's already dealing with this I don't like the word disease I don't like the word condition it's just a it's something that he's dealing with yeah their thoughts. their thoughts yeah yeah and they're not light they're very heavy yeah. and they can they sometimes it's hard even today to navigate like when do I bring certain things up because I know that it can be a slippery slope sometimes yeah. and I know that if he's in a, a fragile space it could push him further down but I as his partner still want to feel heard on the things that are concerning to me or make Good. me feel scared so honestly like it just takes wisdom to be like is now the best time is this the best way to say that? And we've gotten counseling as a couple and counseling as individuals. Yeah. And it's just, it's been helpful with I statements. Hey, I feel this way. I am worried about this. And as a man who's struggling with this, I don't feel like a lot of men even discuss things like this. And so if I come to him with things that I'm scared about, maybe financially, maybe about our business, about our family, and he's in the role of provider and protector. And then you couple that with mental health yeah. challenges. It's, man, I really have to use a lot of wisdom of when to bring certain things. And I really have to give a lot of things to God. I just can't yeah. sometimes. Or yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, no, and, and it's, it's important. And, and the fact is, your lives are very faith-based and God is a very big part of your life. And, and I'm a-okay with that. Okay. That you're here sharing your story with me and that's a big part of it. And sometimes, yeah, we, whether you call God or the universe or Allah or whomever, sometimes it's just bigger than we are. And it can be hard to not put your feelings off too many times because there, mm. there has to be a, a form of balance there for you both to be heard and yeah. not have you constantly tiptoeing mm -hmm. around. First of all, I have to say hats off to both of you for navigating this in a way that you understood that you both needed more help 
the fact that, mm. that you can turn to God is a bonus because faith, anyone with faith has that additional tool set, if you will, uh, that they mm. can rely on. And I grew up Catholic. Um, I'm sorry to say I'm a recovering Catholic, but I know for a fact that my parents' faith is what allowed them to get through terrifying times and horrible things that happened. And without their faith, they would not have been as strong. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's important. It's important to acknowledge that that's part of what gets you through. And yeah. obviously you are making it through. We're, we're eight years later, after you were married, four children in, hats off to That takes commitment and work. And I believe faith certainly helps with that. But I want the audience to understand faith takes work too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we've had multiple counselors ask us, do you want to be together? Do you love each other? And when we can answer yes to both, then the trajectory of the therapy is very different. Yeah. When those answers are solid, then they're able to help us with tools for communication, tools for it. How do you bring certain things to each other? How do you both feel validated and heard? What can you do to heal, like I said, as individuals? But it did. It took that commitment to say, yes, we want to be together. Yes, we love each other. Now we can move from a place of, okay, now we're, we can set out on a path to ensure that continues to be that way versus... Yeah we're not really sure that's a different conversation and so I'm thankful that is our like foundation that's the conversation that we're on. that's the track that we're on is yes and yes so let's move better to making it it better we actually just then on so we just started with a new couples counselor last friday and and that was one of the first questions she asked us again and thankfully we had been asked that before so we were able to say yes and yes and she looked and she was like, I don't think this is going to be hard. I think whatever it is that that feels difficult and that you're going through, I don't think this is going to be very hard. And that just gave me so much hope yeah. because it, in the midst of those episodes or those seasons where it does feel really heavy and dark, hopelessness is a word that Daryl will use regularly. And I don't. I don't often feel hopeless. Maybe I can remember one time in our eight years where I have like genuinely felt hopeless about where we were at, but he'll use it more often than I'm comfortable with. And it really puts me in a space. Uh, it just hurts. It really hurts to hear that sometimes, but like you're saying you like, I'm able to lean on my faith, but even if you're not a person of faith, you can take a step back and say, you know, at least for this moment, we're still together. At least for this moment, they're here. They, I can take it moment by moment. 
we're still in this and recognize that their belief of hopelessness doesn't have to be our truth. No. I can keep my hope. I can keep my faith and I can just continue to breathe through it, be calm, have whatever it is that you do to keep that groundedness in a really crisis situation. Their feelings of hopelessness are very real to them, but they're, they don't have to define your relationship. If you can be the one in that moment to like really just stay steady and patient and calm. Yeah. Um, it's not easy, but it no. through that storm. No. And, and it's in those times of storm, you're picking up the slack because oh, that, that there is still something on the other side of that hopelessness. The hopelessness mm-hmm. in the moment is really because in those times, his vision is hindered, okay? Mm-hmm. It's like huge blinders on a horse. The horse can only see what's exactly in front of him. And if the hopelessness is in front of him, he's not going to see the bounty of his beautiful wife and his children. It's just not possible in that moment. Depression. Go ahead. I love what you said. It's a blinder that is on him. It's not him. Yes. And that's the piece I was at some point through all of this trial and error, really, it was like, Hey, his mental health, and his hopelessness or whatever it is that he's going through, that is not him. So to separate the two, like he is my husband who's amazing and who has a call on his life and who is an amazing husband and father and leader and all of these things. The feelings that he feels are very separate of who he is. And what I used to do was get angry at him. But now I just am like, if I have feelings of anger, they're very much at the thing. It's not at yes. him. And those are okay to have. And I also used oh, to feel yeah. bad about, this is so unfair. This sucks. This is hard. Why am like, why do I have to, whatever, why do I have to put my stuff in the background for fear of where it might push him? Yeah. But that is, it, Again, I lean on my faith. There's nothing too hard for God. And it's a separate thing. And so I don't have to be angry at him in that way. I'm angry at it. And that's okay to be angry. Because if I suppress, then we're both, we're all in a mess, right? Absolutely. So let my stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. How do you deal with episodes with the children? Are you open as the children are getting older, open to discussing or understanding that these feelings, which I really like the way you put that, they, they are a separate entity. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were talking, I was going to say depression, anxiety, all of the mental health issues that humans struggle with, they are like entities of their own. They, they mm-hmm. have they take on a a life of their own, if you will. And it's very, I think it's wonderful. I think it's very mature of you. And I think it's really shows the depths of your love 
or Daryl, that you are able to separate those two mm -hmm. rather than allowing yourself to, to fall into anger and, oh, poor me. Yeah, with the kids, it's been interesting. So my kids are nine, seven, five, and then eight months. And uh, he's a speaker and he speaks on mental health now. So his story has been fully redeemed to help hundreds and thousands of people at this point. And because that's our work and our business to, is him as a speaker. Right. Um, they hear daddy speak and they've heard his videos and they've heard him share his story. And we've gone to events where the kids can come and he's shared it in front of them. And I remember the first time he was playing a video where he was giving his full story of being having a, his suicide attempt and then ending up in the psychiatric unit and the whole, and he told the whole thing. And my nine-year-old, she wasn't nine at the time. I think this, maybe she was about seven. But I remember thinking like, oh, she's old enough now where she's actually listening to what he's saying. And I didn't know, I had a fear moment like, oh, is this too much for her yeah. to hear? Even the some of the words. And then he just, number one, we were very aware that she was paying attention. Yeah. And so we wanted to handle that moment with care, but not ignore it and not just brush past it but then we were able afterwards to have a conversation like, hey, this is a story that daddy shares with people. This was a long time ago. This is a part of his life. We were just we're cautious with phrases. We just, we yeah. used words like other, like when people die, we say like people passed away. So they know that if, if that, if someone does, that means that they passed away and so we don't really get into all of the specifics yeah. and things like that but she does know that is a, a word that daddy uses and that's something that he has overcome mm -hmm. and and in in current situations if he's having an episode like that where he's really down sometimes I will tell them he just doesn't feel good sometimes I'll say he feels sad yeah sometimes I'll say he's having a hard day and I don't try to like, sh I don't shelter them from him, Yeah. but I do play the middleman in that if they're, cause they, they have a lot of energy. They're little, oh, they're yeah. young and full of all the things. So if that energy is too much for him yeah. to be around. I will really intentionally, I'll take them out for a walk or whatever we go do to give him space. But then he and I will have a conversation later and he's, I feel so guilty that what I'm dealing with brings you guys down or you don't, it makes the girls feel like they can't be around me or whatever. And I just have to support him. I'm like, they love you so much. They just want you to feel better. Like you don't have to feel guilty at all. Like whatever you can give them, they'll take because yes. they love you and you don't have to feel bad. They just, man, they think the world of him. He's their hero. So I just try to diffuse those runaway thoughts of like yeah. guilt and shame because yeah. the girls don't feel that way. And I don't feel oh, no. that way. And it's, and it's that's not going to serve any of yeah. you to have that. I love the fact that you are being age appropriate because mm -hmm. that was what I was hoping to hear because 
It's one thing to share at a level they can comprehend. It's another thing to place the burden at your children's feet. Yeah. And we do not. No. So my first daughter, I told you we had her before we got married. And so we were in this very back and forth. Didn't know if we were going to be together space. And that was really hard for me. I wanted to be a family. Daryl was, we were young. We were 22, 23. And so it was just, it was a lot all at once. And so I did use, when she was born, I was, I'm like a very physical touch. I cuddled her all the time. I was holding her all the time. She was very much like a comfort and a safe space for me. And as I, as she got older and I realized like, oh, I cannot use my children in a way that's like something that God or a therapist or that I need to do with myself and journaling. Like I can't put that on them. They can't, that burden can't be on them to help me to feel better. So they see me cry. They see us cry. They see us fight, but they always see us come back together and make up. We're very like, if it's, if they're going to see one, they have to see both. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That that's absolutely normal. Mm-hmm. Growing up, my parents didn't fight often, but when they did, my, my mother would pack a suitcase. I have no idea where she thought she was going. She didn't drive. And the only thing she ever put in the suitcase were three of my father's shirts. <laughs> I was like he was going somewhere. <laughs> but it was oh no, it was us that was leaving. And I always used to oh look in the case and think well, that's weird and i asked one time and i can't even remember what she said but she was not impressed with me asking it was like oh, she'd been funny. found out <laughs> funny. yeah it it gave us a better appreciation for the fact that you can't always be happy you can't always mm-hmm. be getting along nobody agrees with somebody a hundred percent of the time that just doesn't make any sense so yeah I think it gives kids a better understanding of being yeah and yeah so they know not every day is a good day actually you can it was so sweet Daryl made a song it's about four years ago now it's him and our oldest daughter she was five at the time it's called we all need hope and it's on his YouTube. I'll send it to you. Oh, I love it. Song. So he raps like a very motivational, like it's a mental health song. It's very motivational. And then she sings on the chorus. And it's it's just the cutest thing ever. But there's a line in there. And he says, bad days don't mean that you have a bad life. Sad days don't mean that you have a sad life. And so they even have that. We'll play that in the car super loud and we're all singing it and it's those are things that I don't feel like I got when I was little hey mm-hmm. I like you like those are things they may not even realize the seed that it's planting but I know there will come a day when they have a horrible day or a sad day and I know that will there will be something that clicks and they'll say I don't have a sad life or a bad life it's just a day oh. and Beautiful. So things like that, that, that have been really cool. We've been able to do. That is beautiful. And what yeah. a gift to the children mm-hmm. to be able to 
better understand how they feel as well mm. going forward. And with yeah. your permission, can we put a link on your page on the podcast? Oh, yes. Yes. It's, it's oh, such a good that. song. I love it. Yeah. And then the only other thing that I would, I, that we talk a lot about when we talk to other people, anytime we get the chance to talk about this is holidays. Yeah. Um, holidays are just such a, they're so charged, like emotionally, yeah. depending on where you came from and what they mean to you. And for me, holidays were a really big deal. It was like all the traditions that you would see, like in a Hallmark movie, like that was up. Yep. And Daryl grew up very differently. They had their own things. Some things were big deals. Some things were not. And so when we got together, it was such a, so many holidays have been spent like fighting and then putting on that, oh, we got to put on a smile and walk in the door now. And, but a part of it is, so he'll, he'll talk about this, like holidays would feel way too open for him. It was like too much. It was just too much expected of him to stay at such like a high, happy, joy, open, excited. It was like too many days in a row of that. And I wanted, I had very big expectations on what the day should look like. And so then when he would start to feel like it was too much and he had to recoil to have some refilling time, I would get so angry this is not the Christmas morning that I anticipated. This is not like the go look at lights and drink hot chocolate or whatever that I envisioned us having. And then what happened is he would feel like, okay, well, the holiday must be more important than me because this is something very real to me that I need. And you're upset about the holiday and totally ignoring the fact that I'm having a very real difficulty. So we've developed language now. I know in advance to communicate, like, hey, I'd love to go see the lights and I'd love to have these photographs taken or whatever I might be excited about. I will communicate that well in advance. It doesn't mean that his depression might not strike that day. It just means that I didn't surprise him with another thing and another thing. And so we do our best to talk openly and often uh, leading up to big even vacations and moments like that and then I know that when he's feeling that way he just needs some space and I don't take it personally anymore and I try to give that to him and whether even if we're at a family's house I'll cover for him right like he needs space he needs to go take a drive he needs to take a nap and if anybody in my family is like oh where's Daryl oh he's just whatever taking a drive or and that's okay. And I don't need to put any more on it or make it feel any more taboo than maybe they feel like it is. No, like that's really important because he's the most important, not the thing. Yeah. And I'm still to this day working on that, but we've developed some language around that now. That has oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Holidays yeah. are so charged for, mm-hmm. I, I think probably every family there's, <laughs> There's old uncle Fred who tipples mm-hmm. too much and there's the aunt who complains about everybody and isn't talking to people. There's always something going on. Our mm-hmm. family is very 
very loud. And there's only, there was only two of us, two kids. But we were five years apart. So we had very different interests and very different friends. And, and inevitably, there was my grandmother and my aunt were always with us. And holidays would end up in tears. Somebody was mm. with something. And my husband's mm. family were totally different. Nothing was, you didn't raise your voice, although some people raised fry pans. You didn't, you didn't do a big scene on any of these mm. days. And in fact, his mom didn't even like Christmas. It it made for a very different attitude, and it became an issue for him and I because he wouldn't take my side in any of the. I used to think that was bizarre, and when we finally really had it out, it was because he so loved the boisterousness and and the family feeling and all the coming together, he didn't want a chance losing them. Mm -hmm. He never had that. Mm -hmm. It it just speaks to the fact that it's important to keep the lines of communication open because you never really know what's in somebody else's head. Yeah, yeah, because you grew up very... No matter, even if it was in the same town, you still have different life experiences. Oh yeah, and, and talk about it prior to the day of, like weeks in advance, if you can. And you can't like, you can't assume all the things that are going to happen, but you can at least, like, hey, this is how I typically do holidays. This is what I'm excited about. What about you? Is there any potential thing that we might have? a rub against or tension about can we just die like just have the conversation because stuff's going to come up and then when you bring depression to the party or you bring anxiety to the party because they don't take days off no then you're like already ahead of the game versus like fighting through the whole day and then the following days and yeah yeah because it's just not who wants to have a fight and feel depressed and have to sit there at your grandma's house? Oh, that sucks. Like, yeah. Nobody wants to do that. No. It's really no. hard. Yeah, that yeah. is definitely not what anybody wants. And <laughs> communicating, and in your case, it's really important for all of you, but specifically for Daryl's mental health, to be able to talk about these things and figure out a way that as a family you'll handle them and again I have to give you kudos this is not easy and Mm -hmm. and you're doing it you're doing it in a way that obviously works which is wonderful because there's so many who tend to just sweep stuff under the rug no we'll just leave it alone if we don't say anything maybe this time it Mm -hmm. won't happen you're guaranteed it's gonna happen Absolutely. Oh, yeah. 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 And that's, that was my MO and that was my family's MO for to yeah. this day. And so I can see how that does not work time and again. And what I used to say, and I'll say this to Daryl, even to this day, I'll be like, I feel like that just came out of nowhere. Or I feel like, why, why, like, 
why are you bringing that up now? And he's like, it's always been here. You just have not wanted to look at it. Yeah. Just because it's under, just because you can't see it under the rug doesn't mean it's not under the rug. Like it's been with us every day. Yeah, it's, it's that thing we trip over we... all the time that you're just not acknowledging. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. right there. You just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's so important the communication whether or not you deal with mental health issues whether or not I would say even you have children or not I think it's really important that you make time for each other's differences as well as the similarities and make an effort to be considerate mm-hmm. or ev- on everybody's benefit if you will mm-hmm. yeah I would say hearing him speak so often now about his depression and anxiety and things like that he a big piece of it stemmed from not feeling understood and there was just so much of I feel like I'm screaming at the top of my lungs proverbially as a metaphor but you're just not hearing me or understanding me. And so being in a relationship with someone who has those challenges or not, either way, you, you need to feel as a human, you need to feel heard and seen. Yeah. And so if you do have mental health challenges, not feeling heard and and feeling like you're not seen will only magnify. Yes. Yes. So he's said that quite often. It got worse when I just didn't feel understood. And so to be able to have those lines of communication open, and like I said, to detach from what that makes me feel like, my ego, my pride, just just listen is, okay, I am just going to sit here. And our our counselor gave us one time, they were like, just say, what else? Is there anything else? And there's usually more. And you just listen. What else? Because this, the we have the we have a metaphor when we argue is the lamp on you or is it on me right now? And if the lamp is on him and it's his turn, I'm just like, what else? And inside, I could be like going through a firestorm of things of how that makes me feel, but that's it's not my turn. It's his turn, and just like, what else? And my turn will come. It does because he's a respectful person, and then we're able to have that dialogue. Yeah. So, yeah, but to help them to feel understood will go a long way in those challenges. And in the larger scheme of things, that's just plain important for every Mm -hmm. single human. Mm -hmm. It's to be seen and be heard. Yeah, yep. That's all we really want. Yeah. (laughs) Know me and love me. That's all we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So what's on the horizon for you and Dara? Ooh, what's next for us? So we have a speaker agency. So we're, we're representing speakers and we help other speakers get their amazing messages out to the world. We want to host a power couples summit at some point. I couldn't tell you if it's 2023, 2024, but we keep meeting amazing people who are these fantastic couples in business and life and all the things. 
So we really are excited to be able to do that. And, and I want to start an hour entrepreneur family podcast soon. So keep an eye out for that. All of our daughters are, they have business ideas all the time, lemonade stands and, and YouTube channels and all the things that's something that we're excited to be able to do, but our long-term vision, we just, we want to help people with amazing stories, just get them out, be it documentaries, videos, books, all of the ways that you can share a person's story. We want to spread life-changing stories as far as we possibly can. That's what we, our heart is. That is a noble aim. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. I have to say, wow, the, the time just flew. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. And down the road, perhaps we can speak to both you and Daryl. Oh, yes. He's amazing. Yeah. I would love for you all to meet him. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. I can't wait to meet him. And our audience can meet him as well. Yeah. It, You'll be able to get all the information, all the links, etc., for Brittany Stinson on the page with the transcripts, as per usual. This has been my guest, Brittany Stinson. Thank you so much for spending the time with me today. I so appreciate it. It's a, a, an incredible story that you have, and uh, I think you two are doing a phenomenal job, which is awesome. We will make sure that we all need hope is there. The link will be on the page as well. Can't wait to hear it. I'm Elaine Lindsay. This is Suicide Zen Forgiveness. And on that note, make sure that you make the most of your today every day. And we're going to see you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results. And also by Canada's keynote humorist, Judy Kroon, motivational speaker, comedian, author, and stand-up coach at Second City. On the stage, Judy draws from her wealth of performance experience, wit, and insight to entertain, inform, and inspire in her dynamic keynotes and half-day workshops.